Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information on Company of Fools and the museum can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools. And on this show, we talk to a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world, about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. In this episode, I, it is my great pleasure to talk with a friend, Portland-based actor, director, and advocate, Jennifer Lanier. Jen grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, and received her classical acting training at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. While in North Carolina, she founded Lesbian Thespians Theater Company and also produced a number of independent projects. She became a founding fellow of the A-plus schools program, instructing school faculties in arts integration and curriculum enrichment. She also began working with Robert Moyer at the United Stage, and the two even had a run at the Smithsonian Institution's Discovery Theater of Jen's original young audience piece, Br'er Rabbit Meets Coyote, exploring the challenges of growing up as an ethnically mixed person. Jen expanded the piece into a solo comedy called None of the Above, which she has toured to colleges, theater festivals, and pride events throughout the country. She is currently co-artistic director of Original Practice Shakespeare Festival, or OpsFest, and has worked in regional theaters across the country. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to Foolish Voices, Jen. How are you? Oh my gosh, Scott, I'm doing great out here. Yeah. So lovely to hear you. It's I know, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too, bud. This Portland, are you guys, is, how's it going there in the scene? What's, I mean, I'm assuming everything is shut down. Uh, yes, yes. You would assume <laughs> correctly, darling. It is all shut down tight. I mean, there's, um, <laughs> there are no theater spaces open right now at all. What we, however, what we're doing is pretty interesting. People are working on online. People are trying to figure out what to do online. And, how, how do you, you feel know, about that, Jen? Well, me? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have different sorts of feelings about it. You have a um, wide my range company, of feelings? A wide I do range have a wide range of feelings. Because there's a wide range of content, Scott. <laughs> that's the deal. There's a wide range of content. I mean, there's stuff that's happening online that is absolutely amazing to me that I look and I think, wow, you did that with people who are not next to each other and how fun is that? And then there are things that I look at online and I think, why am I watching this? What is this for, you know? And it really is all of that. It's app and everything in between. I mean, my company, you know, OpsFest is, um, is running online. As a matter of fact, because our season really happens in the summertime, uh, we just sent out a, a press release uh, the other day, actually, saying that we're going to be online this season. It's going to be much shorter. You know, we're um, only going to do about 25 shows, but... Um, Wait, that's hilarious. We're only going to do about 25 shows. <laughs> I know. I know. It's I mean, wacky, that's basically but, uh, enough shows. That yeah. is basically more shows than most theater companies do in, like, three seasons. 
True, true. But remember, we we work it a little oddly. We do that um, that uh, I guess it's that um, Elizabethan scheduling is what we're doing because we don't do a show uh, a, a play of Shakespeare's. Uh, we don't do a performance, you know, one on top of the other of the same play. I mean, we come in and, you know, like the other day we did um, Romeo and Juliet, but the day before we had a first night of King Lear. And, you know, so that's how we work because of our, um, you know, no rehearsal format and um, uh, using scrolls and leaping right in and, and uh, doing these things. Like I said, using that Elizabethan scheduling. So we have 21 of Shakespeare's plays in our canon right now. So we're going to do all of them. And then there are a couple of shows that are special to people. Uh, we, we do that late night, midsummer um, on Solstice that um, we have uh, our fans that just adore. <laughs> you know, they really right. love that. They love the fact that none of us know what we're gonna play uh, until that night because we're gonna do polling and, and then they vote and. And then we just, you know, dive in and do it. And then at the end of the season, uh, we we work on um, the shows that are what we refer to as the gender shows. Uh, so we have a gentleman show, which will be all the uh, male identifying folks in the company will be participating in that show, um, playing all the roles as written. And then uh, we'll have our gentle them show and uh, where our non-binary actors are going to be playing the roles as they care to. And uh, then we have our gentle women show where all the female identifying people in the company um, are going to be playing all the roles as written. And so that's how we'll end our season. So yeah, 25 shows, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and here's, here's me thinking that the global pandemic would put, you know, slow you people down, right? But no, you're like, meh, screw it, we'll do 25. And we'll That's also right. do this huge, crazy production series with all these different approaches. Yeah, I mean, you're insane. I know, it's you're wild. It's wild. You're clearly insane. It's what I love about you. We, we are. We are totally insane. But we've been experimenting with it um, over the last few weeks, just trying to understand how how to do it you know because we we didn't know if we could i mean that's the thing scott we had no idea if we could even do this and so we thought well why don't we try and see what happens and what, and what thing that'll learned as a company about i mean you know you, you oh, and yeah. I both know that everybody on the planet every theater maker on the planet in the first couple of weeks of this was like, oh my God, I have to rush online. I have to figure out how to produce yeah. this online. And, and yeah. I, you know, I've kind of resisted it just as a maker mm -hmm. maker myself, although, you know, doing Foolish Voices and, you know, we're doing some recorded kids stuff and theater education stuff that's videos. But I mean, how how are you finding it as an artistic process, right? I mean, you, yes. are, you are all about the process, my friend. I really am. I'm, I'm absolutely uh, a process person. I don't, and, and even in the improvisational character of our theater, because like I said, since we don't rehearse together, you know, each actor is responsible for individually doing their work, doing their homework, doing their memorization work, doing all those pieces. And uh, then we all come together in a spot and and that's the spontaneous part of the piece is that's where the improvisation comes in because you don't know what's going to happen until you hear that person talk to you and see their faces and see what props they bring in the costume that they're wearing and now oddly enough our company is probably 
better suited to this, you know, theater on Zoom <laughs> than uh, a lot of other companies are because we are used to working by ourselves first, you know, and um, and we've learned some things. We've learned some things that that work and don't work in the form. You know, we've we've uh, discovered that just how to make sure it looks like we're really talking to each other. I mean, that's just, that's a very simple technique that we figured out, uh, you know, doing these things online and then watching them later to see what worked and what didn't. I mean, but that little turn away, making sure that your eyes are just a little bit to the right of the camera. And then on, I have another device that I put beside the device that's um, filming me so that I can see what my partner is doing, you mm. know, and, and that's, it's, it's, it's odd because we're apart, but crazy enough, we're in a, in another way, it's, it's almost more intimate in some ways. We, like I said, we just uh, did Romeo and Juliet on, um, on Sunday or Saturday, I don't know, one day. And because uh, who knows what day it is? Scott? I know. I don't know. What no day one is. knows what day it is. You know. But anyway, this Romeo and Juliet we did. Um, afterwards, we always come together to do a little bit of a debrief um, to talk about things that worked and things that didn't. And everyone just sort of took a breath and went, "My God, I, I am amazed at how intimate that was." You know, because our faces were were right up there. We were. Everyone was in extreme close up. Right. And uh, the work of, of our core members, which is primarily who was in this, um, was just exquisite. And we were getting, and we get comments from our audience. That's the way that the audience sort of interacts with us is through the comment line. We have someone who constantly monitors that and replies to people. And folks were feeling the same thing. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's where this can go because we hadn't done a tragedy yet. I mean, you know the comedies are going to work, right? You right, know you're going right. to have fun with comedies. But it was really discovering the intimacy that we could replicate with a form that just, that literally brings us so close to each other, even while we're incredibly far apart in distance. Um, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a bit of a revelation and a delight and makes me feel better about doing King Lear next Saturday. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I, 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 I tell people this story all the time. A friend of mine, not from Portland, but a, an actor friend of mine from another part of the country sent me an email, I think the second or third week of lockdown and said, hey, a bunch of us are getting, on, getting together online and we're going to read uh, The Seagull. Do you want to watch? And I said, no, no, I don't. I, I just don't. <laughs> and I think, I, and I'm, just, I'm interested in your thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. I think when someone just does a piece of theater on Zoom, Right. That 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 is not interesting to me. What's okay. interesting to me is when a theater artist contemplates how performing theater on Zoom could be done. Right. That's it. That's absolutely it, Scott. You 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 just like any other piece of theater, you can't expect that you can just well just jump on there and just fly and whatever it's like no 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 my my art form is not a we'll just whatever no you have to consider 
what's the what's my um, what's the timbre of my voice going to be like? Am I I need to make sure that I'm not too loud in this moment then and I need to make sure I'm not too soft in that moment. I need to consider I need to put the person in front of me, even though, yes, they're they're off in a way. But if I if Jennifer Lanier doesn't place my acting partner right there in front of me in my imagination and then translate that into, you know, any kind of camera work that you're dealing with, um, it's not gonna work out. It's gonna look like trash, you know, it's, it's gonna look goofy. And, and I really do believe that, that, that I, yeah, we have to craft what we do. And, and my company is used to very, very quickly um, putting this information together as it happens. Well, like I said, this whole business of the Zoom work um, I think that people who, who depend really heavily on, on lots and lots of, of rehearsal and, 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 and carefully blocking out scenes and things like that, I think that, that they're, they're definitely at a disadvantage with this bizarre thing that we're all trying to do, you know, with, with Zoom theater. Um, because I think it is harder to make that happen. And you then you do need more stuff. Suddenly you need more sets, you know, and suddenly you need more um, um, costume pieces and, and you need more direction and you need more of these other things. And, and, um, and I think because we take our direction from, from the punctuation, from uh, the way that the words are spelled, because, you know, when Shakespeare changes spelling, sometimes that changes how you would say something. And that matters in this form. And we find that we are really leaning hard on that text mm -hmm. to inform our work, you know? And, and that is working. That's actually making some sense, you know? It, and there are people out there who um, are really having a good time watching us. I mean, I think we've averaged, we've been averaging around a thousand views a show, you know, sometimes more, sometimes less something like that that's 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 incredible i mean yeah i, I know it's that's great too. i mean you know, <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing i mean yeah. you you you're almost almost your entire career really mm -hmm. since you first started in training yeah. i mean you have this long history of sort of thinking about arts integration about yes. how arts i mean you are all about adapting the work to non-traditional theater environments right like absolutely how oh, do yeah, you use theater to educate how do you use theater mm -hmm. to connect how do you use theater mm -hmm. to advance social justice it's not mm -hmm. just, it's never been for you just about putting on a show right see that's the truth i mean uh and, and even when i would try to do that um <laughs> and manage to to, no, we're not going to just put on a show. Suddenly there's going to be something else. I mean, I was working, um, my colleague, Robert Moyer, that you mentioned, he, he was um, uh, one of Viola Spolin's assistants. So he was right in there with um, this, uh, the business of working with uh, theater games and that sort of thing. And uh, gosh, way back when I was actually in conservatory, uh, it was my last year in conservatory and he uh, approached me to to work with him. I'd never really worked with him before. I just kind of watched him uh, lead classes and stuff. And he said, hey, I, I want to do this show and I think you'd be great in it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, send me a script. And he hands me a book. He hands me this thick book of uh, oral histories from mill workers 
in the 1920s. And he said, well, you know, the show's in there somewhere. <laughs> and, um, the show's in there somewhere? Yes, the show's <laughs> in there somewhere. So, uh, so yeah, he and I and, um, and a group of about six other people went through this, this collection of oral histories. Mostly we wanted to focus on women in that particular piece because we were we had been asked to do a project um, for the new um, uh, North Carolina Museum's uh, women's section. And um, <laughs> so we just kept going through and looking at interesting letters and interesting stories and talking about them. And we finally realized that there, yeah, there is a show in here about these people who are struggling to, um, to exist uh, by working in textile mills. Uh, down in the south, and just the kind of things that people did together, the way that they, the way that they lived, the way that they um, dealt with their children, the way that the, the people working in the mills starting as little kids and and going through, and the dangers that people had to deal with, and moving up into the general strike that happened um, in 1934, <clears throat> and um, and we just kept looking for the dramatic line, as well as looking for those stories about what what. You know this this uh, this myth that you know women didn't start working outside the home until like 1974. You know, there's a myth we have in our country about that, and uh, and this was going no poor women have been working for a very long time right? outside of their <laughs> homes, right? And that was what we focused on. We were focusing on um, giving voice to these poor women. Um, uh, uh, black and white women in, in North Carolina uh, at that time. And it was, it just turned into an incredible project called Like a Family that we then toured all over the place because people were interested in that, you know? So yeah, I love finding, I love finding stories, Scott. I love, um, you know, discovering, I, I love discovering what's, you know, what the story is for someone. I did a, another piece uh, uh, that someone wrote a solo piece about women in prison. And she took all of the statistics of women in the prisons in North Carolina and compiled all these statistics into like one person, making it one person and just started writing. And I grabbed that because I thought it was incredibly interesting. And I took that, um, I took that around actually to a lot of people and also to some prisons and uh, performed it, which was um, fascinating. I bet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about humans. I learned a lot about, I, I had biases just crushed doing that. And that's probably my favorite thing about theater. I love how theater makes it possible for our various biases to just get completely ripped apart. You know, um, theater absolutely brings light to, to what really is going on with humans, you know, what's really happening with this. That's why I'm excited to see what happens after all of this crisis is over and the kind of, um, theater that we create based on it. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be different than, than we could ever imagine, you know? So, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I have no sure. idea what it's going to look like and I'm hopeful yeah. 
super clever, talented, creative, thoughtful people. <laughs> are yeah, right. Gonna be in there getting getting their hands dirty and making it work. What mm. what do you hope it will look like? What I hope it'll look like is I hope that I hope that we will pay more attention to what people need in our world as opposed to uh, what people want to look like you know the, the, there's a there's a certain uh, there's a certain flashiness that's um kind of been been out there there's a there's a way of 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 showing human beings it's just about kind of what's what's flashy and 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 fun you know what's uh you know oh look at all these latino people let's watch them sing and dance you know instead of <laughs> let's break down what is happening in our country with you know people who are are coming in from central america and and uh, the 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 awful stuff that we're doing to them let's let's talk about that a little bit more you know i mean i'm not trying to put down i love me some lin manuel okay i do um but i i think that I think that's possible that the some of the theater we're going to see is going to be a um, just a little more about real what's really going on with people, because you know what happens, Scott. I mean, when you're sitting here with your family, I mean, you know, and that's who you see. <laughs> yeah, this is who you see day in and day out. I mean, we decided a while back, my family and I, my, my wife and my two sons are here in the house. And um, we decided, oh, you know, on every Monday, we were going to have a family meeting just to kind of check in on everybody and see how everybody is and make sure, you know, chores are getting done and whatever. And man, these have turned into some very interesting times of finally finding out what's going on in my family's heads, you know? Yeah. People, yeah, people are really talking about what's, Oh, they're talking about some real stuff. I mean, it really isn't just about, you know, who forgot to do the laundry on Thursday. It's it's become about what is my purpose really in in this world? I don't I don't know and I want to talk about that because I'm not sure what that is. I mean, these are not conversations one usually has with one's young, you know, sons. Um and uh yeah, so I, I hope that that as artists we're paying attention to that stuff right now. That we're paying attention to those things and making notes to yeah. try to uh, you know do some theater that really gets in it, really gets inside of what's actually important here. You know? Yeah, I I mean I, I'm interested absolutely. I think you know. I, I think there's sometimes when people say things like that, like, let's really dig into it. I mean, they immediately sort of begin to think, oh, God, it's going to be so depressing and it's going to be. Oh, so no, dark. this and, can be funny as hell. And, and that's the thing. Is <laughs> I, think, yeah, I keep thinking to myself, you have no idea the number of stories I've heard over the time of doing this, even just this podcast of talking mm -hmm. to people about what their experience is. Yes, there's some stuff that's fraught and dangerous and crazy mm -hmm. and stressful, but there's also joy and giddiness yes. and, and humor. You know, oh there's a gosh, lot yes. of that. Um, and I, I, what I don't think I hear you saying, mm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, sure. is that you want to see a whole bunch of stories about COVID-19. 
what you're saying is you want to hear no. stories about real life, deep questions, yeah. our circumstances, all of that, right? Yes, including including the the discoveries of joy that people have. I mean, that's that's something that I'm also getting from um, the the folks I really care about. There um, there's uh, there are two other couples that. Uh, my wife and I are really tight with, and we've been tight with them for a lot of years. And uh, we meet up on on Zoom. You know, we do the Zoom calls with each other, and uh, and that's those are those relationships are are about depth. They really are about depth. I mean, we we are definitely um, friends who go to some deep places, and every bit of it includes joy. You know, there's a lot of laughter. <laughs> when we come together and I decided I made a commitment to myself a long time ago that when I write material I refuse to write material that isn't going to bring some joy to people that isn't going to make people laugh I have to do that I have to see laughter happen from this because I mean anybody can just throw out the sad story but if you can craft something that allows folks to laugh, they will, in fact, listen to the next thing you have to say. And that's important to me, you know? I mean, it's just so much more important to me. I don't, um, well, just like some of the bizarre confrontations that have been happening with people right now, I keep thinking, you know, oh my gosh, there's other ways to communicate, folks. And one of the ways that I do... <laughs> I mean, I just have, Scott, I, I just have all my life. I've been about doing my best to make people laugh. I mean, the first thing when I confronted um, the text of Othello in playing, you know, playing Othello, I thought, okay, where's the joy in this person's life? Where's, what, it, what brings this human joy? You know, how can I make sure that I lean into that? Because if you do, if you show all of that, if you make sure that you're paying attention to how deeply in love Othello has become very suddenly and how gorgeous he thinks, uh, you know, this, this love is. And then, then when you see that human get to the spot where they feel like they have to kill the human being that they are desperately in love with, that's tragic. Right. Right. But you got to set it up. You have to, you have got to set that thing up. You cannot, Oh, yeah. I think that you have got to make sure that that you see all of it. Right. And so that's what I think about when I'm when I'm when, when I'm crafting anything is where's where's the laughter? Where's the joy? That's the first thing. That's the first thing that I search for when I'm breaking down a text. You know, where's the laughter? Where's the joy? And, and if it's a if it's a rehearsed show, then I rely on directors to um, to make sure that that um, then I'm not leaning too far into, into one side of it, you know? And, I, and I've, I've worked with some lovely directors who are, you know, certainly delighted to help, to help guide that, to make sure it doesn't go into a place of farce or something like that. And, you know, but I still think, and, and that's what I believe we're gonna see, Scott, honestly. I think we're gonna get a chance to see, you know, once we wade through all the, oh my God, it was awful because I couldn't find toilet paper. You know, we're going to get past that and we're going to get a chance to see 
this is the incredible joy that you can find in a one bedroom apartment. You know, this is the beauty that you can see out your window. Uh, when you think the only thing that's out there is the other apartment building, but, but what's really out there? No, what's really out there is that, that tiny, tiny little patch of garden. And look at that lady out in that patch of garden, working on that little patch of garden. That's so gorgeous. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. some of, some of the things you're talking about are some of the greatest themes and setups of some of the greatest literature ever written in, you know, in dramatic history, right? Like Absolutely. I mean, what did Proust do? Right. This is he the thing, right? He bit into a baked good, Scott. He <laughs> bit into a baked good. That's all I'm Wait, saying. Wait, sorry. You <laughs> towards comedy, Jen? It's not something I've ever thought about you. Not something I've ever heard said about you. That's right. That's right. No, it's, I, um, there was, I, honestly, that was my response to, um, I mean, I, I started doing stand-up as uh, a response to, you know, the most recent killing whenever that was back in, oh God, you know, I think it was Michael Brown. That was my response to that. Um, I, I couldn't handle it anymore. And I was storming around my home and, and then something happened and it got my attention and I said a thing and it was funny. And I thought, yeah, 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 I need to, I need to, I need to lean into some comedy about this. And so I started, you know, writing pieces, you know, like, you know, the, the black person's guide to staying alive in America. And, um, it was, I just, yeah, I just started making fun. I just started making fun of the business of, you know, whenever I walk out of my house, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. So, um, I don't know if you mentioned that I'm a, a black person, a Native American person. So um, I'm a I'm a brown person walking through the world here, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is um, is I could talk about it one way, but I'd rather I'd rather talk about things in the way that lets people laugh, because they I swear they hear everything better if they laugh first. You know. Yeah, so, it's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. But. but Jen, as you as you start to sort of navigate this next few months, I mean, God, God knows how long it's going to be, right? We don't yeah, know. Nobody knows that. Yeah, we don't. Know. Um, what What are the kinds of things that you, as a as an artist of color, I mean, you're not only an artist of color, but you're an advocate for mm -hmm. queer performers. You're yes. an advocate for accessibility and for performers with disabilities. I mean, you mm -hmm. you you know, I, I I say this in the in a filled with love you rattle cages my friend <laughs> yes i do and you make us all think you make us all think more and more thoughtfully about the way our work is accessible and the way mm -hmm. it is equitable we love you for that it, you've never made me uncomfortable although i know you have made <laughs> other people uncomfortable uh which i love you for that too uh yeah god bless god what, bless what are you wanting us to be focused on as we come out of this i can tell you that my fear is that we are all going to take a step backward and become more conservative in our programming, mm. start thinking about programming the stories of, of people of color and communities mm. who've been traditionally excluded and silenced, that people in our positions, maybe not you and I, but people in mm. our positions that have authority over programming, that have influence over programming, we're going to take that we're going to take steps back and that we're not going to want to take those quote unquote risks 
Right. Cause we worry cause there's, there's so much fear, right? I mean, I, I go to the, um, there's a, a gathering that happens. It would happen once a quarter, this, um, artistic directors round table in Portland. And I've been participating in that for uh, a while now, though now the meetings are weekly because there's a lot going on. Right. And yeah, you're right. There are a lot of people who are talking um, about being, you know, tiptoeing and being incredibly careful. And they're, it, the one thing is those meetings are just filled with people who are terrified. They're just terrified. And, and, and I was, and when I first, mentioned that we were trying to do something online i definitely you know got back the oh so you're just gonna throw some crap up there huh I'm like no no that's not the plan <laughs> my plan is never to throw crap up anywhere right. um you know and so i i know that i hope that people will i hope that this is one time when when folks get a chance to really take a look at what their privilege brings to them you know, because it's certainly, it's this time has made me painfully aware of um, of what is afforded to to people with different levels of privilege. Um, I mean, right now, I'm getting paid for um, from a job that I do, um, and and that's great. You know, I'm, I mean, how exciting! I, I actually am. I get paid you know, from my theater company. And, um, and then I have people who live by me who um, aren't able to go to work and aren't getting paid and are having a hard time getting unemployment. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I want to make sure that in my, in what I do in my day, I don't forget that there are a couple of people down the way from me who are having a hard time with money right now. So what I can do First is um, go over and knock on their door and say, hey, um, I've got some extra. Do you need anything? You know, I mean, that's my first step as a person. Right. So I'm thinking that as a as theaters, I think we need to make sure that we don't drop back and just turn it into the next couple of seasons are just, you know, I mean, just frankly, you know, white people being white and sometimes singing about it. Um, you know, you know, we I, love I, that. You know, we yeah, love that. Cause, cause we all do, right? We love to see that. <laughs> white and, people, especially, <laughs> we love being white and then singing about how white we are. Yes, like, that is yes. ancient a, part of my family history. <laughs> it's, a, it's a giant thing, and and uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so my my hope is that as and because we have giant mass media and we have been able to see other people besides us because we are all out there with our various devices looking at different things i am hoping that as theater artists we're going to remember that we're still people in the world you know we're still folk in the world and and um these are still stories that have to be told because not getting them out there might give people that you know the wrong impression that they're the only people in the world you know i mean there those there's folks out here who are um talking about not wearing masks because they're fine you know and i and i think well that's a selfish way of looking at the world so i really hope that as theater artists you know we're not 
going to be those people. We're, we're not going to be the people who go, well, why should I wear a mask if I'm okay? Why should I program something for, um, you know, by a, um, a, a Latino playwright when um, I don't know if my audience will deal with that. And I really want to get my audience back here. And, uh, and I'm thinking, <laughs> your audience is ready. Just tell them what they need to see. They'll listen to you. They trust you. You know, tell them what they need to see. Put something else out there. Tell some stories about, you know, tell some stories about some real folk here. Have people, you know, get some amazing playwrights that you know to write some specific stories about, um, about the beauty of lives other than, you know, the, uh, uh, the dominant. <laughs> You know, I mean, let's give people a shot at, at talking about what's really going on in the world because not everybody, mm, yeah, I get into this sometimes, Scott, and I have a hard time I saying hear, it out loud. I hear you. Because, you know, I get worried. I get worried even still. I mean, as, and I'm a strong-ass woman, right? I'm a strong-ass <laughs> woman of color who's all set to talk. And it's even hard for me to say, Oh, that sometimes I want to shake folks and say, oh, my God, you're white, upper middle class, wealthy privilege is just all through this. Can you move a little bit of it aside, maybe? <laughs> and, and, and let's let a couple of other voices come in. That's well, all we're talking about. It's also, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but, sure. you know, we... One of the things that I worry about as we move forward is, mm. you know, those sort of white middle class audiences and God love them, mm. right? God mm. love them. They oh, yeah, buy yeah. tickets, they give money. Absolutely. They're a, a, an essential, crucial part of the theater uh, mm -hmm. environment and atmosphere. Yes. Uh, but that does not mean that there isn't room for more, right? Right. There's so often there is this feeling like if we don't ensure our traditional audiences come, we're going to be screwed. When See, in actual fact, the there's plenty of room for it. There is so much room. There is yes. so much room. There really is. And the thing is that who, who are, and who are we to assume that our base, this middle-class to upper-class white audience doesn't want to hear about other folk i mean that's a weird assumption yeah to think that, that folk that they don't want to open up Look, this is this is something that i found that was has been magical about my little theater company um you know we're, we're a little scrappy little original practice shakespeare uh festival because one of the things that's a trademark for us we're an incredibly women focused company and and um and definitely like we're definitely not male centered in our company and we're very queer in our representation of uh, characters in Shakespeare. And really, all the, the only reason that exists, the only reason that's happening, is because we're cool with people deciding whether or not they're going to play a role as written in the gender, or if they want to play the role as their own gender. And just that, just making that little piece a choice suddenly opened us up to, um, you know, a Romeo and Juliet with Romeo being a woman playing it as a woman, right? 
And, um, you know, well, I, I love to joke about lesbian Othello because it's one of my favorite things that I get to do. Um, but also seeing, but suddenly that just opened us up to, to talking about these characters in a slightly different way, using the same words, sometimes only changing, you know, pronouns, but using all the same words suddenly the story gets shifted a little bit. The story changes a little bit. And, and it has been amazing how many people have really dug that. I mean, I'm talking about, we've got, yes, we've gotten more queer audience. Yes, we've gotten more audience of color. Yes, we have more audience of uh, non-binary and trans people coming in because uh, we're putting that out on our stage. And also we're getting lots of really cool letters and email coming from middle class white people going that was so much fun i never thought about that story that way thank you you know i'm thinking okay okay there's plenty of room <laughs> yeah plenty, plenty room. of room honey plenty of room plenty of room well so yeah so that's why i'm hoping that these folks will you know that 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 our playwrights will will take off, and our and our uh, our fellow artistic directors will will uh, you know just take a nice deep breath and let it out, <laughs> and choose fascinating projects. That's it. That's all you got to do. Uh, yeah, I I I believe that so much. It's always so great to hear hear you talk about stuff like this, Jen. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's. It, to be honest, it's great. It's mm-hmm. great for me, right? Mm-hmm. As as a middle class cis white guy, <laughs> you know, to be like I'm yeah. scared, and to just yeah. you know, the gentle slap from Jen Lanier is always yeah. Uh, yeah and you mean it you with love. It. You mean it with love. Uh, but it's just it's good. I think it's good for all of us mm-hmm. in these moments of fear and uncertainty to know that acting out of fear and uncertainty is almost never the right choice, right? It truly isn't. I mean, all we have to do is turn on a, a television and and look at and look at some of the folks who are you know, they're saying that they're protesting being forced to wear masks or whatever. But then you look at the signs that they're carrying and and you see deeper. You can I mean, I'm interested in that. I'm actually super interested in that because I look at the signs folks are carrying. I see, you know, only slaves, you know, muzzles are for slaves. You know, the picture of a a, a black yeah. woman with a muzzle on. And I thought, wow, I want We're getting to, to talk it. We're to getting you. to it. We're you know, I want something. to talk to you. I want to hear your story. I want yeah. I, you know, I'm interested in the kind of fear that lives in you that that makes you create that sign and bring it out you know because i look at that and i think there's a lot of fear in those groups and those groups of people out here and i'm i'm curious i'm curious about that fear you know i am too (laughs) and what a better what better place to explore that curiosity than theater right theater is the glorious place to explore uh, to explore the fears that um, that that plague <laughs> that plague us, and and to sometimes to laugh about it, to right. laugh about the things that we're afraid of, to laugh about um, the biases that that uh, we've been holding for so long. 
Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I, 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 uh, I adore that kind of thing. I was, I don't know, did you see, um, have you seen a production of that um, School Girls with the African Mean Girls play? No, I, I know that it was is, at Portland Center Stage, but I, yes. I, I has, it hasn't been out here, so. Yeah, okay, okay, check it out sometime because, um, I mean, reading it is one thing, but seeing it uh, up is quite, quite an interesting way of talking about um, our, 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 our ideas of beauty, our ideas of acceptability, of our ideas of, of um, what's safe and what isn't. I mean, and, but in, in that, using that world to talk about it, it's just, it's, it's rather mind boggling. I think it'll, when you get a chance to, to see a production of it, you'll see what I mean. But again, you know, let's use a little uh, uh, a boarding school of young uh, African black women uh, to talk about the um, uh, uh, what what constitutes beauty, right? You know, and oh, oh, oh it's it's uh, it's it's a gorgeous piece. So yeah, like you, I mean, again, comes right back to what you're saying, man. Plenty of room. Plenty of room. Plenty of room. Well, I'm you'll always be welcome in my theater, Jen. There's always <laughs> going to be room for you. Always room for you. Um, oh, that's cool. My name that's is Scott good. Palmer. I am producing artistic director of Company of Fools, and you have been listening to Foolish Voices in this episode for the great pleasure of reconnecting with my friend, Portland-based actor, director, and advocate, Jennifer Lanier. She is the co-artistic director of Original Practice Shakespeare Festival, and I'm going to put a link to OpsFest on the description of this podcast so people can check it all out. I don't know yeah. if anybody's got the kind of time to see 25 shows over the summer, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I will encourage them to do so. Um, and I so appreciate you taking the time. It's always great to hear. It's just great to talk to you. I miss you. So I'm really oh. glad. I'm really glad we had a chance to connect. I am too. This was a delight. This was a delight. You're welcome. And will you please just keep in touch with me and let me know how you're doing and take oh, care yeah. and be be nice to your be nice to your family. Yes, you know, yes. just be nice to them. Not that you yeah. don't, not that you aren't, but I just want no, to remind it's, you. It's good to have the reminder every yeah. single day. Yeah. We <laughs> will talk to you again be, soon. Yeah, you guys be be beautiful to each other as well, and of you know, keep making bread because I love the pictures of your bread. <laughs> <laughs> I am so on it. Don't you worry about it. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jen. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.